0: Good evening, you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Guma. Tonight I'm joined by Carl Ghevers and Jimmy Muyaha, both independent analysts. To unpack your stock-related questions, uh, be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at BusinessDayTV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, gents. Uh, starting with you, Carl, the markets continue with the weakness. Is there just nothing good for markets to hold on to at the moment? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's tough i mean if we look if we look at so far out the jc this month is i think down over five percent so it's it's come under a lot of pressure and uh, and it's mainly global global sentiment um and again china is probably the main driver of that negative sentiment with their pressure that they're feeling in terms of growth um so you know the retail sales and, and that came out i think it was this week and then industrial output both disappointing weak consumer um deflationary pressures so um a lot of and and to be honest China is a huge uh, factor in in global growth so um I think that is probably where the where the market is a bit concerned because before China was actually sort of quite a reliable growth driver mm. um so that is now where the, the question is where, you know, where, which direction are we heading? So I think that, that's probably been the main, um, negative sentiment in global markets. And obviously it affects us. Um, and then we had the Fed minutes that came out today, um, that, or yesterday, um, mm. that, that also indicated that there, there could still be a, a chance of, of a, another rate hike this year, um, depending on, on the inflation. Um, But um, I think the market's just a bit cautious around that as
0: well. I mean, Jimmy, just on the Fed, um, are you finding that the the Fed is clashing with the markets yet again? Because there was also this narrative that the last interest rate hike by the Fed could have been the last one. But now the Fed's saying, maybe not. The,
2: The interesting thing with the Fed, right, is it's a very fluid US Fed, Um, and then one of the more fluid ones that we've seen in recent times. If you think back to where we are in this journey, right? So right now it might seem like one sort of isolated announcement, but if you look at where we are in the journey, Back when COVID happened and we anticipated would come out of COVID at a particular time and all of that, the Fed was very, very firm to say, this is what we're doing, this is what's happening, um, this is where we're going to rein things in and everything's going to happen by the book uh, in that respect. And since then, all we've gotten is a Fed that's gone from that to, well, we're going to assess the data points, well, we're going to give ourselves more room to make decisions, well, we're not going to listen to what the market wants to say, we're going to pursue our own agenda and the market must align with that. And the more it almost seems as though the Fed has had to backpedal so many times in the past that they're afraid to uh, almost commit to a direction at this point or commit to a particular viewpoint, but rather take the view that we want to assess things holistically. We want to look at the broader picture and ensure that the economy survives and that sort of thing. But this is a very contrasting view to the view that we got. 18 months ago when the Fed was saying this is the hard point, this is what we're going to do this is our plan, they were very very um, steadfast in how they were going to approach it. So to their credit yes, they've been able to uh, maintain their inflation policy but as Carl's mentioned, the minutes that came out yesterday pointed to a very different picture it pointed to the picture that um, even though we might have gotten that unanimous decision, it wasn't unanimous in thought mm. and that's what the market is looking at at the moment. The market is probably and if you look at the, the way the market's been before as well, it almost looks like markets are just clearing out bits and pieces, uh, bits and pieces of liquidity at certain levels uh, in anticipation of part, potentially another rally or the final rally before um, the big capitulation that leads to the soft landing that we're waiting for. So, mm. investors are pricing in the potential for a softer landing, but the Fed is also, from their perspective, trying to say, you know what, Um, we're going to take it as it comes and you really shouldn't uh, try and bet against us or try and anticipate what our next move is going to be. We're going to do what's best for the US economy, regardless of what that looks like in the markets. Mm. And since then, I mean, markets have just been saying, you know what, if that's how you're going to do it, then we're going to start moving around where we think markets should be by the time either decision comes out whether a decision to hike whether a decision not to hike markets are just not running away on the potential news but rather just pricing in all variables or as many as possible
0: ah all right well let's get down to the viewer questions uh and here there's a comparison between uh, 91 and investic uh what is viewed as the better investment wealth management at investic or asset management at 91 call um
1: look i mean so InvestEx obviously a, a fully fledged bank with wealth and, and investments as a one of their, their business uh, divisions. Um, whereas 91 is 100% asset management, you know, so earning a fee um, of, of, on the funds that they manage. So I think in terms of, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the the business that I prefer would be the asset management business purely because of the, ability to grow and not requiring capital to grow and so on whereas the bank obviously there, there's a bit more capital required on the banking uh, part of it and then um, in terms of, of growth I think again the, the negative side would be if if the markets decline 91 would come under pressure because its assets and management would would, uh, would come down um, but I think Overall, I would probably prefer that over the long term. Um, having said that, Investec, the, the bank and, and wealth management business have done exceptionally well. I mean, and they've outperformed uh, 91. And I think it's just been really good management. I think uh, number one by the new Inu team and, and Fani Titi in, in particular. Um, and then um, obviously 91 has come under a bit of pressure as markets have come under pressure, a few outflows. So that's where the market is is marking them down. Um, but I, I think long-term, I would I'd pick 91 out of the, the two. Uh,
0: very interesting points there that uh, Carl brings to the fore on the pros and cons and what you really get with each counter. Jimmy, what would your pick be there?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I, I completely agree with Carl. It, it's two very different uh, sorts of approaches that you're looking at, very different risk variables that you're contending with, as well as... Um, very different income streams. Investec might have a, a few more income streams, but they also have to contend with uh, increased um, interest rate levels and uh, risks of uh, provisions and defaults and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, at At the core of it, I'm probably going to lean towards 91. Uh-huh. Um, I am a bit more risk uh prone and I'm quite comfortable with the level of risk that 91 does take and if you look at the fact that they have been able to sort of hold the ship steady despite those um, significant outflows that Carl alluded to earlier that in ve- that uh, 91 did mention in uh, I think it was around May or so um, they did mention that there were significant outflows but if you're looking from uh, a longer term point of view the moment markets have now settled and directions have um, sort of been picked the, uh, the growth and the um, performance that you're going to get from an asset manager is probably going to give you a better return um, than that of a uh, a bank or s- somewhat of a more safer financial institution in a situation where markets have bottomed out and we're now looking at the next sort of aggressive um, bull market cycle. Mm,
0: all right. Well, uh, let's get into a counter that not a lot of people look at. Uh, this uh, question was actually posed, I think, last week. And uh, Grant Nader uh, from Benguela Bing- Global Fund Managers actually um, gave us insight on potash, but not necessarily quite, Core Potash. Um, so the question, uh, Carl, I'm going to give it to you. I don't know how deep you can dive into this stock. Um, a view on the long-term prospects of fertilizer, uh, considering the recent supply interruptions in Europe. There's a small cap stock called Core Ash on the JSE that has finally got its project off the ground, with more good news to, uh, to possibly follow regarding its other deposits in Congo. Is it worth a punt for a potential multi-bagger should everything go to plan?
1: Paul? Um Yeah, I I, I would uh, lie if I said I knew much <laughs> about it. But, I mean, in terms of uh, of that, that sector, I think fertilizer is certainly an interesting um, sector and always needed. So, I think um, if they service the South African market, I think the, you'd have to then look at um, the comp, competition and, and I think there'd be a lot of, uh, imported potash. I could be, I could be wrong, mm. but uh, the agri market is, is obviously where they would uh, look for their, um, their, their, their growth. Um, so yeah, I, I think there are a lot of variables. I mean, if one looks at Omnia, um, it's quite cyclical. So you get times where, um, there's a lot of demand for, for fertilizer when the farmers are doing well, when the weather is good, the, the rains are, are good. And then times when, when everyone Pulls back a bit on on spending, um, so it is quite cyclical, and uh, I think that would probably be my my caution um, in in that sector.
0: Uh, all right, let's get into more questions. Uh, there's a question here on a capital appreciation uh, capital appreciation. Uh, Jimmy, this one is coming to you first. With the fintech space becoming increasingly saturated, how does one see uh, capital appreciation in the medium term, given the landscape of this sector, particularly in SA? There has been a uh, fair bit of insider selling of late. Should this be a concern?
2: I've actually given out capital appreciation in the past as a stock pick. And the reason for that is the business is... Um, very, very prudently run. They they don't invest in a hurry. They're very cash flushed, so very um, open and able to take advantage of opportunities. And in the time that we're sitting in, uh, we've seen that companies that have those strong balance sheets uh, put forward, uh, Deals to acquire, uh, SwiftNet, uh, for example, and, and you, you really see those companies come to the fold and say, we've got money, we like this asset and we're going to buy it. The question is, what are they going to buy? The question is, uh, the other question is then, when are they going to buy it? So capital appreciation has historically been a good stock. I've given it out because of their low debt levels, um, very strong cash reserves, very good and prudent management, but I've yet to see um an exciting acquisition come to the fold you know we we, mm. we haven't yet heard from the capital appreciation stable that uh they're taking a big punt or a big risk on a particular asset or uh, something that they like maybe something hasn't come to their attention that really has grabbed enough of their attention for them to make a move if you're looking at that stock as a potential long hold um i i would advise that you look at it i i would definitely mm-hmm. have it in my basket in my wheelhouse and that's because uh, as i said at any point where they do de- uh, decide that they found an asset that they like, they can move very quickly. They can move without any hesitations. It's unlikely that they'll even need to go into the market to raise capital uh, to finance that sort of transaction. So, good. it's a, it's a good pick from me. Mm.
0: I mean, what st- stood out for me in this question is um, the fintech space. Is it uh, saturated, firstly? And is the insider selling something to worry about, yeah. Carl? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was going to mention the insider selling. <laughs> I mean, if you look at uh, the last two months, it's been a lot of uh, um, sales. I mean, not 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 huge, but mm. you know, it 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 it's always a a f- red flag. Um, in this case, it might not, you know, it might not be the case, mm. um, but certainly something to to look at um, in terms of whether the space is crowded. I think it's difficult. I, th- I think there's a lot of scope. I mean, we saw with. Um, um, home Choice, I mean, their mm. sort of digital space has done exceptionally well. So I think that is where the growth is. So I think from that point of view, capital appreciation um, is in, in the right space. Mm. And also there's a lot of scalability. But I think ultimately there's a lot of competition. So a lot of these payments and uh, and um, related um, solutions, there are a lot of them. So you have to – it's almost, you know, ultimately mm. the winner uh, will – will take, not not necessarily the winner takes all, but a lot of the smaller components will fall by the wayside. So I think if they have a diversified portfolio which they do have quite a a nice portfolio of of, uh, solutions then, you know, de-risks it quite a bit. Um, So I think Mm. they're not in a bad space.
0: Yeah. The space really is quite interesting at the moment. A lot of competition, but judging from all of their numbers, they're all still doing well. So meaning that the pie at least at the moment might just be big enough. For all of them at the moment. Uh let's go into more questions. Um, there's a question on Brait. Any sense and clarity in keeping Brait into the future? As the assumption is that it has been stripped by the owners and the expense uh expensive managing company. Uh, Breit is swapping its listing for Virgin Active, right, Jimmy?
2: Um, yeah, I, I'm just not too sure when that's taking place. I mean, Breit is still trading at the moment on uh, the, the JSE, uh but trading very, very low. I think it's trading at about two rand 80 or so mm-hmm. a share. Um So not much movement there since uh, the announcements have been made. And I think we're just sort of uh, looking to see when everything will be finalized, what Uh, the swap looks like and um, if there's going to be any other surprises that might come uh, our way with that
0: Mm. i mean uh, if it does actually really happen Carl, would this be something that you're interested in that it's now switching to virgin active
1: yeah i mean one would have to look at what what the growth prospects are for virgin active i know it took a big knock during covid but People are going back to gyms. I mean, there is also a bit of competition from other players. Um, but it is from a... It's a new income, so from that point of view, it's quite nice. But but in terms of growth, I think that's where um, they'll have to... They've got their work cut out. But it's not it's not a bad asset, and um, it, it could be something that is a nice yielding um, investment over the, the long term.
0: Ah, all right. Well, a very interesting one today. NAMPAC, what is the reason that the share price increase, um, uh, increased by 19% today? And as I actually went to that chart, I saw that it increased 19%, but this stock went from about 60 cents to 268 rand. <laughs> Jimmy,
2: <laughs> what's happening there? Um, yeah, so I, I, I've been trying to look through uh, some of the SENS announcements. There was a SENS announcement a couple of days ago around the fact that they managed to finalize their uh, debt refinancing as part of their turnaround strategy. If you remember, NAM, um, NamPak had that big 2.4 billion Rand loss uh, a little while ago, and it was quite a significant loss uh, as compared to their market share. So it looks as though uh, what could have taken place is most likely a share consolidation, uh, but we do know that NAMPAC is uh, gearing up for a rights offer that should be going live at the end of this month. Um, but to answer the question around today's particular movement, uh, I didn't see any particular announcements out today uh, that would point towards that. The last news we heard from NAMPAC was uh, a couple of days ago around that rights offer. So it could be that uh, that SENDS announcement had some uh, issue, uh, com- um, comments around a consolidation of sorts um, but I haven't had time to take a deeper look
0: at that as yet. Uh, Carl, do you have any insights on that? Because, I mean, there were quite a lot of things that they did announce there, including uh, the fact that they're making Full Rue the uh, permanent CEO after he was uh, interim CEO. Uh, yeah, anything, any insights to share also on just the share price movement that that we've
1: seen? Yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, sure about specific news today, and uh, but mm. I think... It is definitely a positive that Fulru has been appointed uh, as a permanent CEO, or at least uh, for mm. the time being. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a good track record in turning businesses around and cutting fat um, and and making the decisions that need to be made. I mean, Nampac has been struggling. I mean, there there were some capital allocation decisions that weren't weren't great. Um, and And they tied in with a few customers where they they've got absolutely no pricing power you know very little um negotiating power so there there are a few a lot of things that he can do obviously it had a huge uh debt pile and they've had to refinance so I think that was certainly positive news and obviously the the rights issue um that that will that will happen in the in the next couple of weeks so I think it there's probably some appetite from from uh, investors that are buying into the turnaround. Possibility um, mm-hmm. with him at the helm. So I think, um, I mean, if you look at where Impact, for example, as a packaging company, has done quite well in in the last uh, couple of years, whereas Nampac has been has been really struggling. So I think um, for those who who buy into turnarounds, I think this is probably one opportunity, but at, uh, obviously risky.
0: Uh, Alright, we're well, looking forward to what Full uh, the Knife does with this company. Uh, let's go into commodities. There's a question here on Anglo-American Platinum. At what level do we start to buy Anglo Plats? It must be close to the bottom or not. Jimmy? Uh,
2: the, do you know what? If you just have a general look over um, mining stocks and PGM counters and you see that the, the Anglo stable, everybody Impala, everybody's down more than 10, 15, even 20% in some cases for this month alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say picking out the bottom right now is a good idea. I can see the rationale behind thinking that this is the bottom because the last time we were at these lows was the pandemic. So um, 2020, we got, uh, I think, as low as about 420 Rand a share. So sitting at just below um, 670 Rand a share seems like uh, we, we, have bottomed out in recent times. Um, but I think there's still quite a bit that markets are having to, or PGM counters are having to contend with. And that's largely demand-driven. That's largely around um, the NEV space where we we don't know what's going to happen to um, internal combustion engines and whether or not there's going to continue to be that demand for platinum that we saw. We know that China, as Carl mentioned at the top of the show, that um, the, the Chinese picture is not looking the way Everybody thought it would be looking, certainly not the way the IMF and the World Bank thought it would be looking when they picked China to be the leader of global recovery for the year. And that's definitely having a a dampener on whether or not uh, we're going to see demand pick up anytime soon. Uh, It's European summer as well, so that's always going to have an effect on markets as well. There's just a lot of factors not looking good for um, Mm -hmm. PGM counters and mining stocks in general. And if you look at resources, um, the, the, the way the resources um, have performed in the last couple of days, they've really, really been um, on the back foot. I don't know if 660, 670 is a bottom. Realistically, 500 Rand a share is also a real possibility we could come down to. Um, if you look at Uh, Where we are on Anglo-Platts in particular, we've broken below the 200-day moving average. We're well below the 50-day moving average. So it really is anyone's guess as to how far down the share will spike before it stabilizes. And the hope is that, obviously, um, we can close somewhere above the 670 or 680 range. um, But at this stage, anyone's guess.
0: Mm. I mean, uh, Jimmy's outlined uh, all the details. Carl, just quickly... um as much as you can't really call the bottom, but would it be cheap enough to pick up at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the commodity price, which is difficult to predict. And, and I think what investors, I, I can't say investors didn't pick it up, but I mean, Rhodium played quite a big role in, in the basket price. And that's come down from you know, 14,000 to about, I think 500 or, or somewhere around, or, sorry, 5,000 at the moment. Um so, so that played a big role. So, your outlook in terms of the commodity price, probably the most important. But then, in terms of the the quality, I think Amplets is still it had its problems. But I think ultimately, with Mahalakwena as it's uh, so a low cost producer, it's probably still the best of the lot in terms of um, quality of asset and also capital allocation. You know, we saw Amplets, oh, sorry, Implets and and Northern waste a lot of shareholders' money in their fight about uh, RB Platts. So, I think M+ is probably better, or one of the better options within the space.
0: Ah, all right. Well, gents, I have one minute between the two of you for your stock picks. Jimmy, what will it be?
2: Um interesting play going with tapestry in the US, uh currently down probably more than about twenty percent, uh looking very undervalued at the moment, uh sitting at about thirty four dollars. Still has the potential to come down to as low as thirty dollars, maybe even twenty nine or so odd dollars, but that's my pick. Uh I'll give reasons for it, but we don't have time for it. Ah,
0: all right, cool. Thanks so much, Jimmy, for that consideration. Uh Carl, uh, what's your stock pick for today?
1: Yeah, I've also got a, a U.S. stock, uh, Edwards Life Sciences Corp. So, um, they, they were spun out of Baxter in, in 2000. They design, manufacture and, and market, um, medical devices primarily for, for the heart, like heart valves and, and similar and critical care. Um, I think evaluation might not look as attractive as, uh, as one would, would imagine, but a, a forward P of 31 versus the historic average of what 34 times. So, it, Marginally cheap, but I think you're getting quality. So return on, on invested capital of 24% growth at, at about 10%. Um, and, and also a lot of pricing power in their space GP margins of just sort of 80%. So I think qualitatively, I, I like it a lot. Uh, and it's become a bit cheaper than than you could have picked it up uh, a few months ago.
0: Oh, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time independence. Uh, <laughs> really, really yeah, appreciate the you. analysis. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, independent analysts Jimmy Muyaha and Carl Kievers. Up next, The Close. Stay watching. <laughs>